What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we're joined by, I feel like, you know, it's it's been a long time coming. I feel like I should know this guy for years now, and we've never had the chance to meet, even though we see each other at concerts in San Antonio all the time. Uh, I've been friends with his band members for 15, 20 years. We've got Francis Ruiz, drummer for Buck Cherry on the Talk Louder podcast. It's one of those guys where you feel like you so many levels of separation and you just don't quite make the handshake and the hello and the formal yeah. introduction. Yeah, I, I can relate by by way of you're standing like you see like a group of people talking like at a concert or something. Right. And you're standing next to this guy. And then a month later, you're at this a different venue or held the same venue. And it's some of the same people from the last time there was a a, a hive of headbangers chatting it up, you know, at whatever. And you end up standing next to some of the same people that you were you weren't introduced to. But it's like one of those, hey, dude, what's up? You know, but you don't really know each other, you know, and then you finally start getting introduced to this person or these people and then you're introduced every time because they realize oh well they they're not talking they should know each other you know yeah, and yeah. and francis is one of those guys and i think that i swear i uh, have been running into francis he's one of those guys i feel like i've been running into him at a concert whether he's working for someone or he's on the stage playing or he's setting up someone's kit or whatever, I feel like I've been in a room with this guy at least 50 times. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. It's like the whole yeah. six degrees of separation, but I would say it's more like three degrees of separation. We have so many mutual friends and we're always in the same building. Yeah. If he's not out on tour. I tend to run into him. It shows in San Antonio when I make the trip down there. Uh, yeah. I think he's based out of San Antonio. So if he's not out on the road, he's at all the rock gigs in San Antonio. Sure. And uh, so I, I, th I thought it's about time we, we say hello and get to know each other and have him on the show. Um, he just got back from a, a string of dates. Buck Cherry was out with Skid Row. Uh, a lot of those dates were sold out. It was a pretty successful run. Uh, they're going to do it again in the fall. And uh, he tells us that there's talk of possibly another leg after that. So a good double bill, Buck Cherry, Skid Row. And uh, Buck Cherry's got a new album coming out called Volume 10. Uh, we talk about that a little bit. And interesting enough, I didn't realize this, but Francis has an amazing background. He's worked with everybody. Uh, as a tech, he's worked for Tommy Aldridge. He's worked for Mickey D. Uh, James Kotak from the Scorpions, uh, uh, Mick Brown, who played in Dokken and also with Ted Nugent. He he alluded to have probably worked with Charlie Benanti, too, which is yeah. how he knows Charlie. He The stories he was telling were going, he was going deep and then he would he would mention someone else, you know, and like, what was that? You worked for so-and-so? Yeah. I mean, it just kept <laughs> on going. It was like a 
it was like pick an apple and another one immediately grows right where you picked it. Pick an yeah. apple and another one grows. So uh, it he's this is a great episode, everyone. So uh, fat, try to pay attention because there's a <laughs> lot of stuff going on in this. A um, lot of layers. Yeah. Here. Uh, interesting stories. Um, and besides all of his teching, he, he's done as a performer. He's played with CeCe DeVille and Samantha Seven. He's played in Great White. Um, of an course, honorary member of Motorhead. Yes, he played a gig with Motorhead. We, had to, we definitely had to ask about that. That was an amazing story. That's a small and, club. Uh, Not everybody actually, you know, of course, can say, yeah, I did. I, I played with Motorhead. Yeah. That, that's right a small there, club. man. That right there. I mean, career over. I'm good. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole, um, the whole interview with him or the whole chat, I should say, because it doesn't even feel like an interview. It just feels like catching up with an old friend. Um, I enjoyed it. Seriously enjoyed it. And getting to know him uh, was a joy for me. Yeah. I, I I did a little homework as I always do, getting ready for these shows, and I just kept going down the rabbit hole, and it was like, oh my god, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this, and I came to the conversation, what I thought was very prepared to ask questions, and then as you said, he starts alluding to other things in the conversation. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. Well, he's very humble, and yeah. I call him out on that, and reasons why <laughs> he, um. You know, we talk about interesting things about uh, manifesting, uh, you know, what you really want out of your life. And um, and that's there's a lot of truth to that. But it's not that you sit around and wait for that. Uh, manifestation takes work. Um, it could be a series of events plus the way you've treated people your li- in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, you're defined by the hard work that you've done. Uh, for others and not yourself, just as much as making good decisions for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I see Francis, he's a king of that. So, yeah. uh, you know, him just being a tech for, you know, a lifetime um, has paid off uh, in many, many ways. And now he's living his dream as a as a drummer performing for a kick-ass rock and roll band who's killing it. Yeah. So stay busy Uh, yeah and uh i think that it's a fantastic sort of like uh rocker story you know rocker's dream kind of a thing yeah Uh, but because he just seems so real and humble um i i I enjoyed it yeah i did too i forgot to mention also paul bostoff he he teched for paul when paul was out with slayer i mean god this dude's kept some pretty good company man so yeah yeah, he's real, man. Excluding us, of course. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was it was great to finally have him on the show and finally get to know him a little bit. I hope to meet him in person next time I'm at a show in San Antonio. Uh, Francis Ruiz from Buck Cherry on the Talk Louder podcast. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like I should have known you for years at this point. Um, we're always at the same gigs in San Antonio, and I know I've known some of your bandmates for fifteen or twenty years. And uh, every time I feel like uh, I, I'm about to go say hello and introduce myself, I turn around and you're gone. <laughs> I dip away. Yeah. 
I'm starting Sorry. to think. I'm starting to think you're trying to avoid me or something. No, not at all. <laughs> no, I, I I walk fast. I always, whenever I need to, you know, go someplace, I'm all, I'm always like, yeah, I get. I'm the same way. Just like, you know. So, but um, no, but you know, finally we we're 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 here now. Now, uh, when we see each other again, exactly. Yeah. There was a you can hang next time. I saw you at a, the Judas Priest gig in San Antonio, and you were actually you were seated on the same row as me as me and my son, and you and your I, I don't know if it's your wife or your girlfriend. My wife, yeah. You, you, the two of you squeezed right past us. You know, we're doing one of these, and I was like, oh wow, there he is. He's on the same row. So as soon as there's a break in between bands, I think Queensrÿche was on opening the right. show, and I told myself, okay, now I know he's sitting right down there. So. Um, I'll say hello in between bands and Queens right <laughs> left the stage and I turned around and I looked down the aisle and you were gone. <laughs> yeah, no, we went up to you know that little, that little box that's upstairs. Yeah. Crow's that nest. Yeah. Every, yeah. everybody was kind of like hanging up in there and stuff. So we, I we, saw the photos afterwards and I was like, ah, oh, he disappeared to the cool, uh, cool <laughs> kids club. <laughs> yeah, funny. Well, dude, now, now, now we're properly, uh, friends. So, so I think that we've, I think that you and I have been introduced like five times now <laughs> yeah, exactly. by, by mutual friends. You know, yeah. This? Yeah, yeah, we, we just met. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of times we just met a bunch of times. Yeah, I've been in the same building plenty. I saw you again at the Anthrax show. Um, yeah. I saw you uh, when Buck Cherry played a gig here in Kyle, just outside of Austin, and I've just never managed to catch up with you. So, oh, that that so, one so, where the train went. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, dude, that was that was that was a crazy. That's kind of a, a weird venue. It's, it is a weird venue. And, it was freezing cold that night and it was raining and yeah. there was a train blowing by every yeah. 15 minutes or yeah, so. That freaked me out so much every time. I mean, even, even with in-airs in, um, hold on, this is doing some weird. All right. Even with my in-airs in that train horn was so loud that when Britain <laughs> would do that and, and honk, it's weird to like freak me out. You know, thought it was going to, you know, make me fall off my chair or something, you know, but, that, your that your mics, I'm sure your yeah. mics were picking it up. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the other thing too. It gets it goes through all the mics and it yeah gets recycled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt sorry for you guys because, like, when it drove by the first time, I'm thinking, okay, this is a one-off coincidence thing, and then it kept happening like every 20 minutes or so, and I was like, oh, these poor guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally <laughs> right what, there. What venue yeah. are you talking about? Um, it's, it's in Kyle. It's called, uh, uh, it's, it's actually called the rail yard or something like that. Oh, right. That's, uh, I think that's one of Ant Anthony's places. I think um, you're playing there at some point. Yeah, I'm, yeah. We're there in September. The, um, kind of sounds, sounds right. The, yeah. Maybe the <laughs> rent's cheap, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt I bought felt a train for, station, something. You know. I felt bad. Oh, they won't for get the noise guy. complaints anyway. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. But that was that was the first show of that of of that year. Yeah, we played that. That was yeah, pretty pretty good way to start out. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> if you can handle that, you can handle anything. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Dave so, was telling me your you know a little bit about your background and and I. I'm not going to pretend I know any of your background. Um, where are you from, Francis? Uh, 
as, as far as ge- geographically. Yeah, where are you where are you from? Where'd you uh, where'd you where'd you raise up and and brothers and sisters and and stuff like that? Not too Al- deep, but uh, yeah, no, no. I was I was born in Albuquerque, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay, um, and uh, basically, you know, grew up there. And when I was as soon as I graduated high school, I split to L.A. You know, so okay. um, I went to the same high school Randy Castillo went to. Oh, um, far out. Wow. Yeah, so West Mesa High School. But um, he was 20 years my senior. But but, uh, you know, it was, it was it was it's still cool. You know, and it was that area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I know all Randy's family and, and you know, and, and went to school with, uh, you know, all his relatives and cousins and everything like that, too. So it was a really cool place. A lot of a lot of cool. Um, Jay Shellen is also from there, you know, from from uh, I think he's playing with Yes now, but from Hurricane originally. OK, yeah. Oh, wow. OK. Drummer. So it's a it's a good it's a good drumming state, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah wow. And you're. Um, you're fresh off of a, a run with Skid Row. I think you've been home like three days or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, first of all, that's a great pairing. Uh, you guys, Buck Cherry and Skid Row, that makes a great double bill. Oh, yeah. Uh, I oh. think. And uh, I'm looking forward. You're going to pick it up again in September, I guess, and, and do another run. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's actually two more legs that are going to be coming up. Um and I hear rumors of a fourth even. So oh, wow. it, it's doing so well that, that it, it, the, you know, the promoters are picking up the shows, you know, people are showing up. I think it, it seemed like about 90% of the shows that we just did were, were sold out. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, um, you know, I was describing to some of the guys, it's like, this is what you want to happen with, with, you know, putting two bands together. You want it to be synergistic. You know, we're we're because sometimes you put two bands together and one plus one doesn't always equal two as far as the crowd goes because yeah. you're sharing the same crowd. And but when you can when you can put two bands together, that's actually going to increase the crowds and, and make it synergistic like that. That's that's the dream, you know, and, and that's what's going on with this, too. So yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that, you know, it, um, you know, we have the new record coming out. The last record that 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 we put out, um, Hellbound did really well. Yeah. Um, and but uh, but the fact that Skid Row has you know this new singer Eric, mm-hmm. and with that they have this new new life basically going. You know, yeah. and, and so they're they're really kicking ass. So putting the two bands together was you know we've been talking about this for a couple of years already. And yeah. saying how great it would be, but now you know everything came together at the right time, I guess, and and uh, it's just it's awesome. Yeah, I, I was happy to see it doing such good business because I was following you guys on social media, and it seemed like you said most of the gigs were sold out. Yeah. Uh, Skid Row definitely has a new energy around them with this with this new singer, um, and you know, and you guys seem like a good pair because sometimes you know Buck Cherry goes out. And first of all, you guys are out all the time. So some pairings are going to be good and some of them aren't going to be as great because you're constantly working and it's just the nature of the game. But uh, to see you paired up with Skid Row, I thought, okay, that looks like a great double bill. So I'm happy to see it doing so well. It's It's a no brainer, really, you know, as to why it's doing well, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, It's kind of it's kind of there's you 
no one's going to question when they see that double bill and they're uh, see do i want to buy a ticket to go see that you know i mean you have to be a certain kind of you have to you know what you like when you're buying that ticket right exactly like, well this band's okay i don't really like the other one but it's <laughs> not that's not happening that's not on the menu you're right you're, yeah. you're gonna go and celebrate the that's rejuvenation it. thing um with you guys working both bands uh having new new anything um in skid row with with eric i think is like no one in my opinion seems to be missing any nostalgic reformation of something else right. in my opinion skid row is is it they're their own men all the time and there's a yeah. reason that it is what it is uh i feel like um you know buck cherry has had some longevity even with the changes that it probably had to overcome to mm -hmm. be where uh buck cherry is now at the moment these mm -hmm. things I'm, I'm kind of shoving up against the wall building this pyramid that is an arrow pointed up um, yeah. promoters are are probably ecstatic they probably can't you guys are going to be add a wing onto your houses because of this tour. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he could use one for some, uh, you know, his memorabilia. Some more drums. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need more wall space. Definitely. More walls, yeah. I think I think me and Dave have the same problem. Yeah. Look, yeah. Look, yeah. You guys, yeah. yeah. I, I just think that it's great that it's doing so well because, uh, <clears throat> you know, even to like stand outside the circle, uh, it's good for rock and roll, but it's also good for other bands and uh, who might be of the same ilk. Right. Yeah. yeah, the entire scene is rejuvenated on top of that. So yeah, and the the cool thing too is is like the, the show. Nobody, nobody in 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 either band are are you know um, are are you know half-assing it. You know, for lack of better right. words, no, nobody's going through the motions. Nobody's nobody's faking. And nobody's yeah, everybody's getting up and and they're just they're playing like it's you know. Yeah. It, it, they're with purpose, you know, yeah. and, it, and it's a good time. And, and it's, it's, um, it's cool to have that energy, you know, and I think both bands are, are, you know, lifting each other up and raising the bar, you right. know, because, you know, that, and that's a great thing. The, the people that win are the fans definitely when it comes yeah. to, you know, yeah, I, I could see that's a that's a great point. Not only is are there is there equal amounts of enthusiasm for each band on the bill from a fan's perspective, but then the two of you guys got to be feeding off of each other as well, because both bands are kind of, you know, you're hot at the moment and one guy's feeding the other guy and the energy's got to just be, you know, off the charts for both bands on stage. Everyone yeah. wins. Everyone's finding their smile. Yeah. You know? and I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about I'm talking about the audience, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you come back from a leg like that, how, how long a run was that with Skid Row that you just came back from? It, it, uh, it was, it was basically about a month, you know, okay. we ended up, it was, it was supposed to be, um, like the last week. Actually, I think we we're still supposed to be out until like the eighth, but we had to, um, we had to trim the, the, the last week off um, Eric had to go back to Sweden for a couple things. And, and, um, so we ended up booking some, some headline shows afterward just to, to kind of fill up the space. And then we ended up rebooking those shows to the fall. So, okay. But, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a good solid three weeks. We started, we did, we did a few shows before that, that, um, that, uh, leg started. Yeah. But, uh, I think overall, I think it was like 20 shows. 
So when, when you come back from something like that, how long does it take you to, to get settled back into your home life? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever do, um, to be honest. It's like, I, I know definitely when I come home, I, I completely disrupt my wife's routine for everything. It's, it's like, you know, she, she has her, her schedule and everything. And I come in and I'm, I'm a night owl, you know, and, 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 you know, the guys will tell you, I'm, I'm the guy that stays up till five in the morning every night. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. like when, when I come off stage, it's like, I, I, it takes me a long time to, 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 um, relax and, and be ready to go to sleep. You know, wow, that means you're really having a good time up there. Yeah. <laughs> you got the best yeah. seat in the house. Yeah. You're seeing yeah, everything. You're, you're back there in the tower looking, Oh man, I get, this is, yeah, you're, you're really enjoying yourself. If your adrenaline's keeping you up till five. Yeah, it is. I, it, you know, and, and, and my mind starts thinking, but I've been that, like that my whole life, though. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's like at night has always been a time of uh, where my creative energy starts to go wild because there's no other distractions. You know, yeah. nobody's calling me. Nobody's texting me. Uh, you know, there, nothing's open. There's nowhere I can go. And, and so it's just like. All I could do is sit there and, and and think of basically, you know, how to take over the world, you know, kind of yeah, stuff and just be creative, you know, and and sure. I, you know, I always have to be doing something with my hand, you know, with art or when I'm home, I'm always building something and and um, just got to, I don't know, I like to, I like to keep my mind active, I guess. Yeah. What's what, some other what's some other jobs that you that you may have had that have kept that have ha, did you always take the graveyard shift because of you being a night owl? Um, you know what? I, I was in production for a long time. Oh, okay. And so it, when you're when you're in the production end of things, you're always the last one out. You know, you're mm, you're yeah. you're starting your work when everybody else is finishing theirs. Right. You know. So, right. Um, you know, and, and as far as the other you know, normal jobs. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I was, it was never a, a nighttime thing like that, but right, it, it's, right. you know, because especially, um, because that would be work, you know, that right. wouldn't be, a, that would be a distraction. <laughs> that wouldn't be when right. I could be creative. You know what I mean? Right. So, exactly. Exactly. Right. Understood. What can you tell us about the new Buck Cherry record? It's called volume 10, I believe. Volume 10. Yeah. And, when I don't know when this Good episode name. is actually going to air, but uh, tell us when the release date and what can you tell us about uh, the songwriting and putting it together and your input as far as, you know, uh, creating the album. Yeah. Um, well, the, the record's going to come out um, June 2nd. Okay. And we've already released one single from and a video from the album called Good Time. And um, right. people are digging that too, because you know it's it's not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's 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 just putting out music that people love, and you know people used to want to go to rock shows to have a good time and and get away from stuff and not be you know total emoed out all the time or whatever. You know, so it's like <laughs> so it's, it's kind of giving it, it's 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 doing that, and we we do it because we you know have a good time playing too. And oh so yeah, it's yeah. um uh, a new single. Uh, or the second single um, dropped today, which is called "Let's Get Wild," and it's, right. it's along the same vein as as "Good Time." You know, the the label picked those because they thought it would be a good a, a good uh, pair to put out to kind of 
together. Yeah. I think there's going to be another single that's going to be released before the album actually comes out. So I guess that's kind of the MO that, that, um, people are doing now too. You know, some bands don't even put out full length records anymore. Some people just put out singles. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes forever for them to actually get an entire album, um, compiled before they actually put it out. But, but, um, yeah, it's called volume, volume 10 and it's, it's the 10th studio album, um, for Buck Cherry. Um, and so it just was kind of appropriate and, yeah. uh, it's kind it's, of a play it's, on words too, because it seems like, like yeah, an obvious name volume, that yeah, is actually volume. a cool name because yeah. of the obvious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I like it a lot. Volume. Lucky you that you've got ten records out, so you can call this one Volume Ten. Yeah, Volume Ten. Yeah, the, the yeah. next one's going to go to eleven. Eleven. The, yeah, the next one goes 11. to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard the uh, or the, you know where this one's going. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the most recent single, uh, Let's Get Wild, and and I really like that one because to, to me it sounds like a throwback to Time Bomb or 15 or one of those earlier albums. I don't yeah. know what it is. There's something about the guitars or something, uh, but it, it reminded me of, of that era of, of Buck Cherry, a little, little maybe a little more old school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, there's the, uh, we're we're hearing that a lot, you know, and 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 that's cool. I love those first two records. Yeah, you know? um, I love fifteen also. I mean, it, you know, I go down the list and and but those first two records um, had kind of like this this punk element to it that 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 Definitely. I really that I really dig, you know, and, yeah. and even Devin, the the first drummer that they had, you know, it's like just the, the way he played. He was he was kind of he was kind of stiff, you know. But it kind of reminded me of of um, uh, filthy, you know, a little bit, kind of yeah. That, yeah. that sort of vibe, you know. It's just kind of you know, yeah, <laughs> all tense. Unless you play like that, that's it's kind of hard to actually go backwards and try to play like that. You know what I mean? If, yeah, and that's not meant with any disrespect, but it's it's, it's no. You know, with, with drawing, Tom, there's Tommy Ramone kind of played like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And yeah. and it's it's really cool to be able to to keep that. And, and I like that because it's there's a tension there that that's that that I like, you know, and, and oh, yeah. so um, you know, so when when we're playing songs from those, you know, I try to try to honor and you know and capture that as much as I can um, you know, and try to keep it sounding like it's supposed to you know yeah. I mean, it's just like if you if you hear um you know total different but stranglehold from from ted nugent obviously and you hear you could hear a hundred drummers play it and no one's going to play it like like it is on the record because right. nobody nobody plays their hi-hat that tight and stiff you know it's yeah. almost like your whole arm has to do this to make it kind of sound like that <laughs> if you have any fluidity in your arm at all it's not going to sound like that it's it's well it's it's definitely a um, a style. Uh, I I teach music, so I'm always like griping at drummers when they have just that, you know they they got a lead foot on the hi hat, you know pedal, and and it, you know I'm just like man, you got to put some swagger in that. You got to know your dynamic. You got yeah. You got to know when to make it dance and flop around a little bit. You know, there's right. a place for that for that, you know, yeah. machine gun thing, but you got to know when to open it up and when to do that. 
Yeah. I, I feel like this, it depends on the song and the parts of the song, the ingredients of the song and what it's trying to say as mm-hmm. to what, you know, the dr- drummers playing with punctuation are the drummers that I've always liked. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Tommy, so, Alden, you know, oh, it, it, lots of punctuation. Yeah, he's yeah. he's one of my all time favorites. You know, he's in, almost in, uh, dancing on that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this makes a nice segue because I was after you know I wanted to talk a little bit about the Buck Cherry record and and uh, but your your background I I didn't know much about it to be honest. I started doing my homework when I knew we were going to have you on the show, and I was I was surprised uh, at some of the things you've done in the past. Um, Speaking of Tommy Aldridge, uh, did did you tech for him at one point? Yeah, I used to tech for him uh, with with Thin Lizzy. Wow, oh, was yeah. that version with uh, John Sykes? Yep, John Sykes and uh, Marco Mendoza was in and out, and um, another guy, Francesco De Cosmo, was was playing bass sometimes, and uh, Scott Gorham, of course. Yeah, yeah. How did and, you get that gig? Um. Well. Be, I used to work for the Scorpions for a long time. I, I worked for the Scorpions for, for about 10 years. Wow. And, um, were you taking yeah, kind of, James? Kind of weird. I, I kind of went backwards. It's like, I, I, I've always been a player and, and, um, you know, I, I did that record with CC DeVille a, a long time ago, Samantha seven. Yeah. The thing that he did. Wow. So I did that with him and that was out. I played with great white for about a year as just the touring drummer um for a little stint where where Audie was 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 gone and stuff like that in, right. in I think early 2000s something like that yeah so I was playing with with both those bands and and then um we were we were both signed to John Collodner's label at that time called Imprint or or um geez I can't even remember the name uh anyways Imprint uh uh anyway <laughs> i've got okay. it on the tip of uh, yeah. yeah portrait records portrait okay. okay yeah um and so uh, the you know the label folded and so i was basically not playing you know i, I mean i was I was picking up some gigs here and there you know i i did a little acdc thing with with um john Karabi and robbie crane and carrie kelly and okay. we did we did a few shows and and um but then uh, James called me one day, um, James Kotak, who's with the Scorpions forever, and said, dude, I know you're a player, but, you know, my drum tech, who who was like an older guy that had been around since like the Herman Werbelt days and stuff wow. like that, wow. he was having some health issues on the first day of, of touring. He was like, dude, I don't know who who else to call. And we were friends already just from, you know, from playing and stuff. And and he said, would you consider coming on tour with us? And I was like, yeah, dude, that that you know, for the world, get paid really well for it, which yeah. is one of my favorite bands in the world, the Scorpions. It's like, how could I say no to that? So, right. um, you know, and I didn't have a solid gig at that point too. So I, I went on tour with them and, and it, you know, just, it, it just continues, you know, those guys are machines. They just never stop. So I ended up be- getting behind the scenes for a very long period of time and, and, and taking for the Scorpions and, because of that, all the different bands that that would be on tour with us, um, you know, White Snake opened for us. That's where I met Tommy for the first time, and just just through all those connections, um, you know, whenever I was free, I'd be asked by by uh, certain drummers to come and work for them. You know, worked for Mick Brown with Ted Nugent for a little while too. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
Wow. Wow. And so, so, yeah, so th- this now coming, being able to play again is just, it's, it's free. It's awesome. And I'm just so grateful to be able to come full circle and, and, and be able to play again, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's hard when you get into the other end of things into the production end of things and, and teching, it's hard to, to make your way back to the plane end of things too. Right. It's a tech too. You could work all year long. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. As a musician, even if you get a great gig, maybe, I mean, you could, if you're playing with the, one of the biggest bands in the world, well, guess what? That biggest band might only tour two months out of the year. Right. Every four years. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, so it, it's kind of hard to make the transition, but Butcherry, like you said, they work all the time. They've always had this, this, uh, this, um, um uh this 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 fierce work etiquette basically yeah. and so when that opportunity came it was just like oh this is perfect this this is this is my way to get back to playing and this is perfect because i love the you know i really love the band love the music and it kind of musically it kind of scratches the itch with like a lot of different styles like we we're talking you got punk you got your your arena rock style stuff you got a lot of funk in there you got um you know your ballads and it's just kind of all over the place you know some some stuff that you know you could call metal even you know yeah yeah how did how did you get the buck cherry gig i'm I'm assuming it's a connection of a connection like you've been describing but specifically how did that happen yeah well i mean you know i i have been um I've been a, around, <laughs> I guess, for a long time. So it's like, I, I, somehow I got on Stevie's radar, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, he just called me out of the blue one day, and uh, he's like, "Hey, dude, um, like Stevie from Buck Cherry, give me a call when you get when you get a chance." And I, I read it, and like instantly, I was like, "He's going to ask me to be in the band," you know. I, I was like, "Because um, at, at the time, I was working for Slayer." You know, and, wow. and um, and we we're doing this this final basically Slayer tour that they were doing. So, um, and were you taking were you taking for Paul? Paul, yep, yeah, sweet, wow. yep. I love Paul. He's Paul's, he's rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and he's just the coolest dude. You know, it's yeah, just, mellow. Yeah, I met Paul a long time ago when when I actually when I was working for Motorhead, we were on the the Metal Masters tour, and that was with Heaven and Hell. And Judas Priest and yeah. Testament and Motorhead and yeah. Paul's Testament back then, right? And um, and we just we just clicked right away. You know, we just totally got along. We were talking drums and 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 so, um, you know, many years later, it, it just you know he was like, uh, you know, asked me if if I'd come and do his drums, and so I was like, hell oh, yeah, that's wow. cool. You know, and he was he was the biggest supporter too when when um when steve you know when stevie did call me uh, of course i wanted to do it you know but just as a, a professional courtesy you know i went to paul because we still had touring to go they still had another year left uh, on the world tour mm-hmm. and um and i you know i went to him and i was like hey dude uh, i was like an opportunity came up and i want to tell you about it and you know uh, basically i want you to tell me basically what to do i want to give you first right of refusal i guess if, wow. if you, you know and um and i told him and like without <clears throat> without missing a beat he was like 
No, dude. He goes, of course. He goes, you got to do that. He goes, that's a freaking rad. He goes, you need to be playing. He goes, he goes, he goes, you know, and he goes, not only that, but all right. Who do you want to use for your, for your gear? You know? And so, so we like, he, he went even overboard with, with uh, not just supporting me, but, but helping me, um, get a new rig get sorted with with uh with yamaha with pisces yeah. and all that sort of thing too so wow. that was awesome you know i already had a relationship with them but it, but it was an uh, uh you know it was um on different terms right but paul you know went and vouched for me immediately and and you know it's freaking awesome you know so wow that's that this is a lot about paul you know he's, he's yeah well, he's a, he's legend of it. Yeah, he's le he's legend anyway. Wasn't he in Forbidden or something? Forbidden, yeah. He was in Forbidden, right? See, yeah. he's he's that's legend. I, yeah, uh, mic mic drop. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mic, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, out of the uh, you, you know you've you've worked for some serious heavyweights. Um, what what's the best piece of advice you ever got from one of these guys, like a Paul? Or or a Tommy Aldridge or a Mickey D or a Mick Brown, these or are these James are Scorpions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, these are big. These guys are big names in the in the drumming world. So, at you as someone who's working with them, observing, you know, taking care of their gear, mm -hmm. what did you learn, or what was the best piece of advice any of those guys ever gave you? I, I wouldn't say it was really verbal advice. I think what I got from them was. I just learned volumes from watching people that are at this level yeah. on a daily basis, how they, how they manage being on the road, how they tour, how they approach the live shows, what, how they take care of themselves, how, what they, um, what their regiment is basically and, and how they balance, um, you know, home life and and tour life and and that sort of thing so so you're you know not to mention the technical aspect of it i mean when you're you know two feet away from tommy aldridge every night you're gonna learn you're gonna pick up stuff you know when you're two feet away from charlie benante every night you're gonna learn stuff you know and the same thing with paul bostaff when with mickey d with you know all these guys that i've worked for and and um you know but um i learned a lot about uh being on the road it, actually from zach wild you know and it's 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 i've said this before it's just he he really he, you know i i look up to him so much because he he just the way he he uh, approaches everything he is the most disciplined person i've ever met wow you know, if he chooses to do something he does it and it's no question no wishy-washiness he just does it yeah um you know from from getting sober to um you know, he knows that that you're not going to get anything without doing the work, you know, and it, it's something different coming from him, too, because he he'll tell you straight, you know, he was at the highest level you'd possibly be, you know, with Ozzy. And and then when he started BLS, it, it was basically going starting at the at the at the at the back of the line in the in the food in the food line again. You know, right. it's like he told me he, all of a sudden the money that he was making was practically nothing and 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 um so just going through that whole thing again um you know 
made him who he is. I think, you know, he said it was an 18 year basically lunch line to get back to even where where they are right now, you know, and, and I just see him take everything that he does with gratitude. And, and I've seen him walk into venues that, that other guys would walk into and be like, Oh man, this is where we're playing. What a shithole. Why are we here? You know, and they start complaining right away. Zach, it's like, he's, he's, completely immune to that he'll walk in and be like this is we're playing all right cool yeah. and he just goes on with his day like it like if he's playing you know the biggest stage in the world and it, it's and tomorrow he's going to be somewhere else yeah you know? i saw yeah, them at i saw them at uh, flamingo cantina down I on Sixth Street. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was there yeah and it's like you know it holds a hundred people 150 yeah. tops yeah. and that's sold out yeah yeah so <laughs> you're not wrong. wasn't sold out right no it wasn't yeah, it, it was, was yeah. it was thin <laughs> yeah and he still rocked it and had had super fun i, I brought it up to him you know month ago or whatever right a couple yeah. months ago last time i saw you yeah i brought that shit up to zach i was like you guys were wearing like gauntlets and makeup <laughs> and shit you guys were having fun he goes yeah i remember that it was yeah. halloween night that's, was it Halloween? That's why he had all the makeup on his face. Yeah, I don't remember it being I Halloween. Think they played, I think Black Label played Flamingo twice, if I, oh, if okay. I remember correctly. Because I feel like I saw him there without the makeup, and then I saw him there again with makeup, and it was because it was Halloween. This was with Crowbar. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So that, well, that's really cool. So Zach Wild, uh, you know, indirectly sort of, you know, shaped your approach towards you know, the, the, the way you carry yourself and handle your business on the road and that sort of thing. Uh, you mentioned, um, motorhead, you actually got to play with motorhead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. That's crazy. Dude, that, that was, uh, that was, that was an honor beyond, you know, be beyond words can even say, I mean, doubly for me because, um, Basically, Mickey D had to be absent from Motorhead. He had booked some TV shows like uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here kind of thing, where but the Swedish version of it, where they sent right. him to a jungle in Malaysia, and he had to survive for like a couple of weeks or something, you know. And and so he he had booked that before Motorhead, you know, had any dates for that time, and then he um, then Motorhead ended up booking a tour right in the middle of that yeah you know and what a lot of people don't know is um matt sorum ended up doing the the majority of that that run saw one of those gigs yeah yeah he uh oh you guys saw that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and and uh but mickey when he when he knew that this was going to be a conflict he actually came to me and he's like dude i want you to play the shows he goes you are going to play the shows he goes because it only makes sense and he goes, and and you're you're perfect for for doing these shows. Um, um, I think my style is is is, and, and his his style are very similar. You know, he's he was also one of my big influences. So I I learned a lot of his stuff. You know, all the King Diamond stuff, all all the stuff from Abigail and, and so it's like I love that style of playing. So just naturally, I, I kind of that that's the way I hear things too. You know. Right. It, and um so he was like dude i want i want you to do it he goes but i'm not going to tell lem anything until the very 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 last minute 
He goes, because I don't want to give him any opportunity to look for somebody else. Oh, and I was like, okay. I was like, okay, that's cool. So, but what happened was um, at the very last minute, he told lamb and lamb kind of like lost his shit. <laughs> and, 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 it, and he was, he was like, what's he going to do? And, and I guess lamb was going to Vegas that same weekend, right after Mickey told him or something like that. And he ran into slash told slash cause they're buddies. And, and I think slash said, once you call, uh, once you call, um, Matt, yeah, what's going on, Matt? Uh, he's not doing anything right now. And Lamb was like, oh, that's a great idea. So um, so he called Matt. And, and so Matt came out and and did the stuff, you know, for for most of it. But um, but then uh, there was some reason he couldn't do the can, the Canadian um, dates mm -hmm. that were still. So they were like, all right, you're up. Wow. You know, management just uh, we, we didn't rehearse. Or anything we, we just we uh, just went for it you know and it, it was so cool you know lem he he said uh he he uh he, he wasn't sure because i guess we we'd never played be before and i think he always ended up showing up at soundcheck after we had already soundchecked and stuff like that so like everybody else knew that i could play but lem didn't so you know he comes to me and he goes you ready? Are you sure you want to do the drum solo? You know, and I, I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, I do. I was like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go this far and 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 stop right before the finish line, you know. So, um, so I did it, and you know, I, I wasn't trying to mimic Mickey, but I was trying to keep the same feel of the drum solo, mm -hmm. like what Lamb is used to, and and just to, you know, basically keep it the same show. You know, so, yeah. but I did that. And, and afterwards he was stoked. He was like, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, <laughs> so it was awesome. And he gave, he gave me his bottle of Jack and, uh, and wow. it, it was, it was, it was great. So, I mean, it's, so, I, you know, for me, it was, it was a dull bonus because first one of my, you know, idols, drumming idols, Mickey D had enough trust and faith in me to, to ask me to do it. Yeah. And then secondly, getting this the stamp of approval from uh Lem, you know, and and, and Phil too. And then afterwards they gave me I have it on the wall here somewhere. They gave me a certificate making me uh honorary member of Motorhead. Wow. So this, and Lem and Phil signed it. They gave it gave it to me on stage and, and that was cool. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Is this the is this the motorizer tour? Uh there was motorizers. Motorizer. Okay. It was two thousand nine. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so, how wow. many dates did you uh, did you play? We it was going to be two, <laughs> but it turned out to be the one because Mickey came back. Okay, so you did one one gig with yeah. as as the yeah. as so, the which was which was awesome and 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 kind of a bummer at the same time because uh, you know as as anybody knows it. You know, the the first one, your nerves are going crazy and you're trying to not screw up, basically. And then you start having fun about halfway through. Yeah. When you're like, okay, I got this, you know, and and uh and then you're looking forward to the next one, and the next one didn't get to happen for me. So <laughs> oh, but, oh and man. Jason's felt some of that too. You, you just getting to play with a armored saint i'm sure you you felt yeah that. yeah the the accept and, and the accept. armored saint thing was like yeah. a, was like dreaming yeah 
And then like, oh, I'm going home now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it happened so fast. And it's just like, did that but, really happen? You know? And it, it's but like. Can, re- can relate. No rehearsal. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's your best Lemmy story? Lemmy? Yeah. Um, Man, he, you know what? Lem, he Lem just was, told it, Dave. Well, that yeah, was that, that was my favorite Lemmy story. Yeah, that's a Dave good one. Him, but, yeah. Um, no, Lem was 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 funny. Like he he was always into his, his gambling, right? So he <clears throat> so much that he wouldn't leave places because he was he was still gambling. So they ended up buying him his own like you know slot slot machine thing, that he yeah. and they would put it in in his dressing room. And he would sit there and he would play. Lem was so, I mean, Lem was the real deal through and through. It's like, you, you know, the, we'd be at, at festivals and they would be super, super loud. The dressing room would be a, a tent that's not soundproofed at all, right next to the stage. That's where Lem wanted to be all day long. He wanted the noise. He wanted to hear. He wanted to be in it. Whereas there, most other people would be at their hotel and just like, nah, I don't want to get there until right before I have to go on stage. Right. You know? Next to all that noise and stuff like that, Lem wanted to be right in the middle of it. Just sit there drinking his Jack, playing his his machine. And and um, one night at the end of the night, he was he was gambling on his own machine, and he hit he hit like five hundred bucks or something like that. And um, and you know the tour manager and everybody with they were like, all right, Lem, you know it's it's time to go. And he goes, no, he goes, I just won. I need my money. And and they were like, well, it's, it's your machine. You know, it's like, there's not really any money in there. It's your machine. And he, he, he was like, no, no. And he refused to leave until somebody gave him his 500 bucks that, that the machine says that he won. And so they had to go to the merge person and get 500 in cash because nobody had cash and, and give it to him. And that's the only way that he'd actually leave is, is if we actually paid you know, he won. He wanted to get paid. Do you, so. do you think that he actually? This sounds like I'm questioning Lemmy's <laughs> mental capacity, but and I'm not. I'm really not. Do you think that he really knew, or was he playing? Was he wanting everyone to play along with it? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Fair, it's a fair question. It is a fair question, but you know, he's he he was genius in many ways, and yeah, he would, oh yeah, he would do things. He would do things, uh, you know. He 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 loved when things would would um, would uh, w- when there was a little chaos that would make everybody else freak out. He loved it. He thought he got a kick out of that stuff, you know. And, and it's like I, I remember we were on tour, and you know the band Airborne. Yeah, they, they were just starting out back then, and, and Airborne was on tour. And I guess one of the one of the guys, I can't remember who it was. Um, you know, they were young. He, he drank and uh, he started getting a little cocky and he was, he, he was like, you know, Oh, F F motorhead and F, you know, lamb. We, we don't, we don't need this tour. We could do our own tour. Kind of that sort of thing. And so he was overheard by, by the, uh, the motorhead gang as it were. And, um, and it, and it really was a family. It was, it was like a gang. Everybody was, was in it. Uh, Tim, if you if you if you ever met Tim, that was Lem's Tech, mm-hmm. brilliant also. But they have this that cool British dry humor and 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 um and and uh, they, you know they they like to to bait people and let them 
hang themselves, you know, and, and do things like that. So they, mm-hmm. they'd always do stuff like that. But so it, it came around to Lem and, and Lem said, all right, he goes, uh, let's, you know, and they were like, do you want to throw them off to tour? Because they're, you know, they're totally not being cool. And, and he goes, no, nah. he goes, I'm gonna let the crew decide how to handle this. And, and so he, um, he let the crew come up with a, a solution. And so the solution was to make that, that guy run around the bus, like, I don't know, 10 times. And everybody that wanted to could stand around the bus and, and like whack him with whatever they wanted as he went by, you know, <laughs> drumsticks, guitar, anything they wanted. And so, and he had to do it. And if he did not do it, then they would be kicked off the tour. So of course the rest of his band were pissed off at him and they made him do it. So, but that's the kind of stuff Lem would do. And he just got a kick out of hearing the stuff and just let things happen like that. You know, if somebody got too drunk one, one night, he wanted to hear about it, but then he would laugh about it and, and you know, and just yeah. say yeah. Like, it doesn't happen again. Kind of but, boys will be boys kind of thing. Yeah. 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 The, the funny, the, the, the irony is thick in this story by way of, uh, what could have been years later, two years later, three years later, they had Lim in the video driving the truck in, in their one of their videos. Yeah. 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 So obviously that made them bond and have strong, have strength. Friendship. Yeah. 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 Lim, cool. Lim, was, Lim, Lim was, you know, he, he always treated everybody with, as an equal, you know, I have to say that there, there wasn't, he was part of the crew. You know, in fact, they even made like a tour jackets and and everybody, you know, had like a patch here, but it said Motorhead Crew and then it had had your name on the other side. His also had Motorhead Crew, you know, yeah. so like he, he wasn't into that, that whole. Uh, yeah, he's he, not, was just not pulling rank or anything. Right. No, not at all. But That's he let awesome. he let me and and many of my friends on separate occasions. I I call it when they let you in. You know, when you look up to someone or you're just a huge fan or you've had the opportunity to work with uh with Motorhead and and Lemmy. Uh, mm-hmm. I call it they they let you in. He let you in. I mean, I sat hours on his bus, just me and him, listening to music and talking shit. Yeah. Yeah. He he played me, I think it was that overnight sensation record. He played that thing for me in the back of the bus five times. Listen to this one again. I really <laughs> listened to this part. You know, he'd be yeah. telling me, he'd be pointing out stuff. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I missed that the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Lim, can I go home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great. It was one of those gigs where I it was in Texas and I, I had my own car. Mm-hmm. You know, we we opened the show or whatever, and then I just for hours I'm saying, man, I could have been home three hours ago. Yeah, it was it was great, but yeah, he was one. You're not wrong. He's one of those guys that that let you in if he yeah. if you if he if he found any ounce of cool in you at all, he would let you in for sure. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was intimidating because you, it's like, what do you what do you you know just walk into a room like, like Roger is, is, uh, that worked with motorhead forever. He said the first time he goes that I met Lem, he was sitting there and he was reading a book. He always read and, and, uh, and Roger didn't know what to tell him. He, he said, he went to him, he goes, Hey, so, um, reading a book, huh? Uh-oh. And Lem just paused and he kind of looked up at him and he said, if you don't have anything interesting to say, 
don't speak. <laughs> and he kept reading. So it's like, all right. So whatever you tell him, it has to connect, you know. And and yeah. so he did. He did let you in. It it took a while, you know. And I heard. I always heard that that it took a while. Like Lem was real um, afraid to get close to anybody mm-hmm. because I see that because he had lost so many people, uh, you know, because of drugs and and there's there's people that would come and go from the, from the crew here and there and stuff like that. And he always hated losing people. If he got attached to somebody and then they, they quit and went somewhere else or something like that. So it took him a long time before he felt comfortable letting you in, you know, and, and um, said, okay, you know, this is cool. So once you get that, it's, it's, it's almost like being knighted, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah it goes right. back to that gang thing you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gang, gang in a, as a family. Yeah. 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 That's so cool that you got to, to yeah, you're, you're, time. you're blessed that you had that time with him, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and speaking of characters, you also worked with CC DeVille and um, <laughs> we've, we've had, we've had Adam Hamilton on the show and, oh. uh, we go back a ways with Adam and, and he was in Samantha seven either before or after you at some point. Hmm. And yeah. uh, he was, he would tell us about how CC discovered him actually here in Austin uh, mm-hmm. playing in a cover band down on sixth street and poison was in town playing the arena and CC went out for a night on the town and saw this cover band and said, Hey, I I'm, I'm on my way out of uh poison. I'm going to start something. You want to be my drummer. And that was kind of, that's the, that's the short version of the story. Yeah. But Adam said, uh, yeah, <laughs> CC was, as you know, uh, there, there's, I think he's kind of got his act together now, but there was a time when he was pretty out of control. So what, what version of CC did yeah. you get to work with? I got the, I got the sober version. Okay. He was, he was, um, he was sober and that's, it's just after he lost all the weight. Um, well, not just after, but after he'd lost all that weight and he was sober and he became obsessed with, with running. Mm -hmm. So his, his new drug was, was running. So he had to run every single day. He'd go like run for 10 miles every single day. And, and he was, um, he was, he was on that kick, you know? And when we actually got together, he, um, he, um, you know, there, there wasn't talk of, of poison at that time, you know, and it, and it wasn't until things actually started rolling that they announced that there was going to be a poison tour, you know? And, 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 um, and so he was on the fence. He actually tried to get us to, we tried to talk the guys into letting Samantha seven open, you know, be, be the a band on the bill, kind of like, uh, how Nikki six had 6am on the Molly on, uh, you know, on crew fest. Yeah. yeah. Do double thing, but they would, they weren't having it. You know, I guess they didn't want anything to take away from poison. Yeah. And, um, and so, but, um, yeah, so it, it's CC. Yeah. He was, he was a riot. He was, he was, um, you know, he wanted to sing, and and um you know that that was that was his thing you know we played at woodstock 99 um with that we were called the stepmothers then though before some oh, seven wow and, um, and so uh so that was cool that was that was a that was a cool show and then and then we did a tour 
and um, a, a U.S. tour, and it was cool, you know. But the, the the bummer was that you know when you play with somebody like that, it's like the promoters they they don't really care about the new thing, you know. And and so we would we would go places, and they were like, you know, the poster would would be C.C. Deville from Poison, yeah, with his band Samantha Seven about this big, you know, <laughs> and and. Uh, and you know the the promoters would would pay an extra you know couple thousand dollars or something like that if if we promised to play poison songs which he didn't want to do but you know they were paying extra to do it so we yeah. we ended up doing some poison songs on that run and uh he but he didn't sing any of them he just let the audience come on stage and and wow it was like poison karaoke kind yeah. of thing <laughs> but, um, Wow, yeah, it was cool. He was obsessed with running, though, and then and then he was he was great. And they did the they did I think a couple poison tours where he was sober, and I think he ended up uh, getting into trouble again after that. But uh, but then he he cleaned up again after that. So yeah, yeah. Adam says you know there. I mean, it's no secret you've seen the behind the music and all that stuff. Yeah. Where he he was he was a pretty hard case there for a while. So he's yeah. lucky to. Lucky to still be with us, and uh, yeah. it's cool that you got to work with the 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 manageable CC, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about your time in Great White? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, what, what time frame was that? And uh, again, how did you get that gig? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, well, we were both on the same label. We we both had the same um, management, if you want to call them that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, tough yeah. room. Uh, yeah um yeah no he's one of those guys that, that you'd ask a question and he'd talk to you for about an hour and a half and never answer your question mm -hmm. yeah and explain to you how the music business works right mm. i think but anyway he's he's uh he's he's not around anymore anyway but anyway there was the same management and um kind of the same same tour manager everything kind of, kind of was real close related with with uh with that whole thing so i guess audie and sean mcnab at that time was the bass player mm -hmm. um, and audie desbro they had some falling out with the band and and they they uh quit you know and so i got a call the last minute um you know hey francis can you learn an hour and a half set by tomorrow and i was like yeah they said okay we'll call you back hung up the phone i was like with who <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i didn't even know who, who it was for and and uh so they they called me back and they said all right cool you're gonna be on a you know 7 a.m flight going to to Kadat, wisconsin or something and uh the band's great white and here's the set list you know and if you don't have the music already come by we'll give you a cd and and, and but that's it and shows tomorrow i was like all right. You know, luckily I had already played a bunch of those songs in, in, in cover bands and in high school and stuff like that too. So I, I knew a number of them, but, um, is this the Jack Russell version? I have to ask. <laughs> yeah, it was with Jack Russell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it was Jack Russell and, and, um, and Michael Lardy mm -hmm. and Ty Longley, who, who we lost in the fire, yeah. you know, but, um, uh, yeah, so we, we, we played some shows and, and basically it was just a bunch of flyout shows that, I, that, that I'd go play with them. And, um, so it, it was fun. I mean, it was, it, you know, fun playing those songs that, that, that I, 
you know, loved in high school, you know, yeah. Save all you love and all that cool stuff. And, um, and Jack was, a you know, really great singer. I mean, he could still sing. We did some, we did a show with him last year, I think. And he still got, you still got pipes, you know, his health isn't very oh, yeah. good. He still got pipes. Yeah. But, um, but he, he was, he was great, great, great singer, you know, and he used to sing stuff. We'd be in the truck together driving places and, and he'd be singing um, Alice in Chains and, you know, he, he liked a lot of heavier stuff too. So, oh yeah. But, wow. um, but, um, so that was cool. So we, we just played, you know, and then um, they were, uh, they, they were uh, about to go do a, a European tour and Samantha seven was going to be the opening band. <laughs> and so we'd be doing double duty. And uh, when I was on tour with Samantha seven, um, I, I broke my leg. <clears throat> I got, <laughs> I got run over by a car oh. and yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Dude. so it, it kind of like kept, kept me out of the game for a little bit, but yeah, I guess <laughs> at, at this point, um, I started playing shows again and I was, I just, I had a cast on my right leg up to my, up to my crotch, you know? So I ended up just, you know, I, I played double bass. So I just ended up putting the double pedal together and put an open hi-hat and a closed hi-hat and then just played with my left leg, you know, and then just went back and forth with wow. the and i played a bunch of shows like that and so i was going to do the the uh the european tour doing the same thing with with both bands wow. <laughs> and uh and um but they you know i i ended up not doing it partially because i wanted to stay back and let my leg heal mm -hmm. and um and also too they they couldn't tell me um you know the, the basically what i was going to get paid you know Mm. And, and I was like, well, no, dude, I need to know before I split, you know, and, and, right. um, and that was that manager that I was telling you about that, uh, mm -hmm. would never answer your questions. It's like, <laughs> especially when it came to money, oh, yeah, what is it, budget? you know? And I said, okay, look, if you, if you're not going to tell me what I'm going to get paid, then I'm going to tell you what my rate is then, you know, yeah. playing with both bands, um, you with know, a broken leg. <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, no, no, you know, so. They gave me this. I was like, "All right, man." Then, then you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And it, it sucked because I wanted to do it, but at the same time, my leg, you know, I wanted to let it heal properly, um, looking more long term. And then I kind of almost look at it as a, a blessing in disguise because had I stayed in that situation, you know, I've said this before, I would have been most certainly the drummer playing when when the fire happened. Mm. And, and so wow you know um wow who knows? Heavy. But, yeah that's heavy yeah. yeah yeah so that that removed it, it took me out of that uh from even being a possibility which was um good and and um you know it, it's kind of weird yeah yeah wow. but ty ty was um ty was uh also played guitar in samantha seven too yeah that's what so, i thought but, so both band and Michael Lardy did it for a little while too. Um, okay. And uh, because CC wanted to, you know, concentrate more on singing. So he wanted somebody else to play guitar, you know, and then, so we did that. So, but both bands were kind of close knit, you know, and, and, um, and uh, so, but anyway, that was yeah. that. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, 
Um, I want to respect your time. I told you we'd only keep you an hour. So I just wanted to ask one last question. And that being, uh, considering all you've accomplished and all the people you've worked with, and you still have a long way to go, but up to this point, what would you say is your proudest moment in your career so far? Uh, getting to play again, for sure. You know, um, be, being able to come full circle and play again, you know, I'm just really super grateful for that. It's, it's like, you know, I remember it's kind of weird, like, because I was, I was already touring. I was already friends and touring with all my bands. I was looked up, you know, to, and, and honestly touring as a crew member or touring as a player it's not not much different you know it's just what you're doing during the day that that kind of changes but it's it's a matter of where your heart is you know what you want to do and and getting fulfilled by doing that you know so i remember looking at all my gear one night you know and and you know have the best of of everything and i'm just you know kind of in a in a in a bummed out way, sort of saying, you know, you know, I was, I was always, yeah, I had all these road cases and I had everything that I ever needed to, 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 uh, you know, to have a career in, in, in music and, and stuff like that. And I was thinking, well, you know, I guess they're going to live in their cases, you know, for, for, uh, for the rest of the time, I guess maybe it wasn't in my cards or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then lo and behold, this opportunity, you know, came up, you know, and I thank Stevie for, for however I got on his radar for, he, he reached out to me. He like believed in me immediately. And it wasn't even on an audition process. He just called me and he was like, Hey dude, you know, I know that, uh, uh, uh he goes, I know you're the guy. He goes, I, I don't, there's no question in my mind that you're the, you're the right guy for the. He had obviously the- seen you play before. Yeah, I think he saw some videos of me, um, maybe sound checking or, okay. or something, or, or or a little, you know. At, at one point, <clears throat> I I tried to, um, because because I was working in a, in a different capacity, I was trying to respect the people that I worked for and not put a bunch of drumming videos out and and all that sort of thing, um, because some people can be weird about that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I didn't want anybody to think that I was sitting waiting to you know push them off the curb you know or or down the stairs or something like that so i could you know play yeah fortunately most of the people that i worked for were people that didn't care about that with you know charlie benante didn't care about that or 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 tommy aldridge didn't care about that or mickey d you know but um they don't need they don't need to you know all due respect they don't need to care to care about that no they don't need to and they don't you know it's like I'm, i'm not taking their gigs but no but but just just to be professional, it's like you know I accepted the 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 work in in that capacity being a tech, and I wanted to do that the best that I could, and without there being any kind of weirdness and and resentment for myself too, because I wanted to be happy doing what I was doing without sitting there miserable and pissed off every day that I wasn't playing, you know when I and and so I kind of put it to the put to the side for a little while, and. Um, and then I started saying, you know what, man, you know, everybody's putting their wares all over social media. Hmm. And, and I remember saying, um, you know, somebody like Gary Holt, you know, came, came up to me and when he saw me playing, he was like, dude, he goes, I had no idea that you could play. And, 
And I heard this a lot. And he's like, why aren't you playing? And he says, oh, wait a minute. You're probably, <laughs> you're probably making more money teching or, or you know, yeah. um, it, and and I there said, is, well, there is truth. There is truth to that. You want to shed some light on that on for for listeners and people watching on the difference between being behind the scenes and making more money than being you know in the starlight. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you, you know, it's it's there's no rate. That's the, that's a thing. Is everybody makes their own their own deals, but a tech can work all year long for as many people as they want you know and like i said if you're if you're a, a player you might work for a band that only tours two two months out of the year mm. and then what do you do you look for another band or right. you know and then what ends up happening is that that band that you're in decides they're going to book this one festival show right in the middle of any other possibilities that you could possibly have <laughs> and and so it's, it's really tough you know and, yeah. and so to make that transition and you know i i know I know that bands that are starting up and stuff like that, you're going out, you're not really getting paid all that much money to, no. to, to, to play, you know? And, and, um, and I, I personally don't even know how some bands manage to do it, you know, and me, I, me, and me, ones me. that are doing yeah. it, I give them so much credit because yeah, I, I know how tough it is, you know? Um, and you know, the, the, uh, the Aerosmiths of the world and the people that that don't have to do it for a living are a very small percentage of the people that are out there doing it. You know, everybody else that's out there doing it is doing it for the passion and love and 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 because that's what they do and that's who they are. And and, and they have a they have a re, a real job quote for people listening. I'm putting up hand quotes, yeah. finger quotes. They have a real job so they can pay their credit cards off so they can <laughs> right. do it again. Right. Yeah, because yeah. they're maxing yeah. out, you know, mom and dad's credit card. If they're a young band, you know, they're maxing yeah. out any credit card they can get a hold of just so they can gas up and feed the band and crew and get back in a van and do it for, you know, eight months, whatever. Yeah, and I, I love that. I love when I see bands like that. And, and when bands like that come and they're supporting us, you know, I, I try to go out of my way to, to or at least, a, you know, I, I think I try to go out of my way to, to help them and to, to, um, you know, any way that I can, because I, I, I know how tough it is, but, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, so, um, back to, back to with, with, with playing, you know, it's, it's, uh, I thought, well, you know, it, it's not in my cards. And then Stevie called me and, you know, and, uh, and I was so grateful because I, I got I got that chance to play again, you know. But I think it's just part of, uh, you know. I don't know if you guys believe in manifesting and, and the and the law of attraction and and all that stuff too. It's, it's like bit. what you start putting out there, you know. I I just got I started putting stuff out because I there was a lot of people that knew me for many 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 years and didn't know it really anything that I was about because I kept it kind of to the side and i thought well that's kind of sad at the very least i just want people to at least know who i am mm -hmm. you know what i mean and a lot of people were like oh i didn't know you're a player i didn't i didn't know anything you know any yeah. of the you know i was like all right i'm just going to share what i what, what i do just so people can know me because i thought it was lame that that i've known people for you know a decade and they didn't know anything about me really you know and yeah and that's 
That's well, beyond I'm, I'm being humble. You, 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 weren't <laughs> being, you weren't being humble at that point. You were kind of keeping your own best secret. <laughs> yeah, I guess And so. I mean that in a, in a heartfelt compliment. Yeah. You know what you. I mean? You were kind of, yeah. I wouldn't say that you, I'm not even going to ask you if you felt like you were hiding, but you, you were, you were just kind of trying to be humble and, and that's totally fair. Yeah. But you, just... you leaking out some of your own stuff and that leading to you getting a gig is a way uh, to manifest anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I th what I'm getting out of all this is that he respected his job so much that he didn't want to step out of bounds in any way. And, uh, and that's a, that's a great character trait. That means you're loyal and you appreciate what you, what you have and you're, and you're comfortable and you're being treated well. And it is kind of hard to jeopardize that by putting, you know, putting yourself out there because you don't know if, if you're going to find something that's going to be to your liking or better or whatever. And you don't want to hurt any feelings either. You seem like the kind of guy that doesn't want to step on any toes just for your own benefit. If it's not agreeable to all parties concerned. Sounds right. like, sounds like Gary Holt made some phone calls after he saw you play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Stevie called you. We've had Stevie on the yeah. show. I love Stevie. He, he was a riot on the show and, uh, and I'm sure that he's a lot of fun to tour with and travel with and all that sort of thing. Yeah, everybody gets on great, you know, and, and, and um, yeah, it, it's cool. You know, I'm just, again, elated that that I'm able to play. I'm, I'm super happy that, uh, you know, that this tour is going well. You know, we, we're leaving it again in, in a couple of weeks, doing a bunch of uh, shows over the summer, um, doing some with Tesla. We'll be at Rocklahoma. I think we got a show with Kid Rock coming up, um, and um, and then in the fall we'll we'll start doing those other legs with Skid Row again, and and uh, the new record again comes out June second, right? Okay. Volume ten, yeah, Volume ten, ten. Turn um, it up, yeah, just just uh, just stoked. <laughs> well, well that's congratulations awesome, on yeah. everything, man. Really, it's it's been great to kind of get to know you a little bit and run into you at all the cool metal shows in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Be, and be reintroduced to you for a fifth time. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should know him by now. You introduced us last time. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of cool and funny at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna try. And... Him, we can all hang because because uh, yeah, I, I talked to I talked to Jason for for a while at the Anthrax BLS show, but I yeah. had. Uh, I saw you and I was with my son and I saw you across the way and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait for the right time. And you, you looked like you were waiting on your wife to come out of the restroom. And I didn't yeah. want to be there when she came out and be, you know, just, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to give him his space. And then I turned around and you were gone and I never saw you again. So the next time I'm going to, Come up to you and I'm going to say hello and we're going to make it stick. This yeah, time. Well, yeah. Welcome to Metal Dave's stalker class. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm respectful of people's boundaries. No, that's, you know, that's I'm right. not going to run over there and tackle them, you know. That's right. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to see if I can make it to the San Antonio show. You're in San Antonio, I believe, September 2nd or something at the Aston Theater. And uh, I'd love to come out and, and say hello and see the show because it's a strong double bill. Uh, again, Buck Cherry Skid Row. The new Buck Cherry album is called Volume Ten. Drops in June seventh. Did you say? Second. Second. June second. Second. 
new album from Buck Cherry. Singles are coming out now, so you can look for those on YouTube. Uh, Francis, thank you so much for being with us. It's been yeah, great to guys. finally get to talk to you. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Francis Ruiz, on the Talk Louder podcast. All right. 